we get to, uh, to start another episode, I get a smile on my face, not a smirk. I'm not smirking. I actually get a, I don't know, I see your face. I, I think, here we go, me and Timmy hanging out again after all these years. On my other show, The Humble and Fred Show, don't be jealous, you know. I've got room in my heart for both you and Fred. We had uh, Bob Weeks on uh, today. Oh, nice. All right. And uh, called him Weeksy. Hang on a second there, John. I'm going to introduce you in a second. Jonathan, our guest today is Jonathan Wong from JW Apparel Inc. He's just hanging out with us. Anyway, I got Weeks on. I, I don't know. Started calling him Weeksy. Uh, anyway, I started thinking, I was telling him about, you know, I do a show with Tim O'Connor, and I just look forward to it each week because I love talking golf with Tim. I love talking to get all nerdy with my buddy. He's Tim O'Connor. I'm a golf spiritual leader, as you know. I know that wasn't the most, you know, articulate opening to one of our programs, but I just I wanted you, you to know. Like, you know so, oh, it's just, there's no C in O'Connor or GSL or Humble. It's just Humble, Tim Lee, that kind of thing. But not, not Weirzy, Ainsy. No, Humzy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've got a series of nicknames for Tim. I, I think my most recent one, I call him Timberly a lot. Or to, today I called him Tim Aloysius O'Connor. Anyway, welcome to Swing Thoughts. Uh, I just feel like I feel like a, being less formal now because our audience has become, you know, our friends and people that listen to us. This program brought to you by, of course, JW Apparel Inc. Uh, and we're all wearing some uh, pretty smart golf apparel. We're going to talk about golf fashion with John in a second, but first, of course, I want to recognize recognize that. Uh, not only are we lucky, I think, to be with each other now for six or seven years doing a show, but we've had TaylorMade as part of our family, you know, going on five or six years. And I don't know. I, I mean, the novelty hasn't worn off for me that well, I can take a look at these guys. Is that the stealth driver? I'm like, yeah, it is. Whatever, you know. Ooh, are those a P790? That's right. I, I, I've gotten asked more about the driver this year, though, because everyone sees the ads on TV. And it's cool looking too. It is cool looking. I find it. Uh, I've hit a couple of drives. Even though I'm going to tell you, coming up later on the show, I'll tell you I had a rough couple of rounds. But I, when I connect with that driver a couple of times on Saturday when I had a very nice round, I was surprised a couple of times by where it ended up. So when people always ask us, does it does it really hit it longer? I'm going to say this. Yeah. Yeah, at times you're going to hit this thing longer than you were hitting your sim last year because of the technology. There's a couple of miles an hour, three or four at least, of speed in that face. Absolutely. So the people of our vintage and even those who are 40 to 50 years younger, you can, you can miss it a, a wee bit yeah. and it still goes out there. It does. To learn more about the latest TaylorMade products, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. To visit and find out more about Jonathan Wong Apparel, go to JWApparelInc.com. And there he is, this very fine man in front of us on the uh, podcast. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, I'm still waiting for myself to come in, so it is on order and uh, looking forward to receiving it. Um, have you, and you, obviously you took a, uh, you've, t- you've swung it before you got fitted, I imagine. We did. I did a lantern at my golf club and, and you're exactly right. It was 
three miles an hour faster off the yeah. face than, than my than my sim I have right now. So uh, yeah, looking but, forward. But, I think yeah. they're on back order. There, there's lots of people wanting them. Yeah, everyone wants one, even with your regular swing. So John's a good player. Um, Tim, why don't we start off with John just talking about, you know, it's another year and golf fashion is definitely evolving. It's certainly evolving with the younger players on tour. You see a lot of guys with the hoodies. <clears throat> I have one. Yeah. Uh, I got it basically in California because I was cold in the morning. I'm like, oh, I'll get a hoodie. But John, what are some of the things that are evolving in the world of, of golf fashion? And then we can talk about some of the lines that you rep. Um, you know what? Exactly. I was going to say exactly what you're saying is it is definitely getting younger. Um, you know, people are wearing different product now. Um, you're looking at products that is more for on and off the golf course. So one of the things that that you know summit brands is always doing is trying to evolve and we've added quite a few hoodies into into most of our collections and we're we're adding a lot of athleisure products that you can wear to the golf course but then you also feel comfortable when you go home and you have something to put on that's comfortable and and you can wear all day long one of the things that i've noticed is that the apparel I mean, through the years, we had like, I mean, there was Dayglow back, I think, 15 years ago, some pretty wild patterning. And then we had the um, the plaid pants and all that kind of stuff. But the look to me now, particularly through the brands that you carry, is like it's classy. Uh, the lines are smart. They're nice. Um, they're just it, – it's rather tasteful, but I think it works for young folks or, you know, whether you're 20 or whether you're 70. Yeah, we're always, um, you know, adjusting our color palettes each year. You know, this the spring fairway line is very pastel colors this year, but, you know, very traditional. But then you also got lots of great prints um, that are involved and, and you're always seeing color changes and, and just the evolution of, of the product to, to add more prints that, that seem to be a really big Trending golf these days is is a lot of printed shirts and and kind of a solid short. Um, so it's it, it's yeah, it's always evolving. You know, one of my favorite things sometimes to do, you'll see like Golf Channel have like golf's greatest rounds, and you'll see from not that long ago, like back in the '90s, and there's Jeff Sluman and early Tiger and Paul Azinger and these guys, and they're wearing such baggy pants. You know, the pants are baggy. And I don't know if you guys remember this uh, brand, Ashworth. And oh, I remember yeah. when Freddie Couples was wearing Ashworth. I wanted to. Shoulders down here. Yeah, and the shoulders were like all baggy. But so I've seen, and I want you to maybe comment on not only fashion for the younger male and female golfers, but I think for golfers in general, the, the, it seems to have been a bit uh, more tapered, a little bit. They fit differently. They're not they're, so. Is that just a phase we're going through, like the narrow-legged pants and that kind of thing? I, I think fit is is one of the most important things when it comes to looking good on the golf course. You know, it, those those oversized shirts that Tiger used to wear, it, you know, he, he felt they were loose so he could swing. Um, but now with all the great fabrics we have, with the stretch and everything you have involved with, with clothing these days and the technology that goes into it, you know, a, a nice fitting shirt looks better mm-hmm. and you will play just as well. You will swing just as fast. Um, so I would say to all, all your you know, listeners is, is 
wear the proper fit, uh, especially on top, because it can look really sloppy if it's if it doesn't fit well, and and for sure on on bottoms also. One of the things I know since it's our second year working with you, Jonathan, and uh, you know we're privileged to be able to wear this stuff is that I have shirts from last year that look as good as the first month I ha- first month I had them. Um, so there's a there's a quality there, and I've noticed that as I get older, I'm a little bit more into the quality of things rather than than just the look of it. But speak to the quality of the brands that you carry, particularly say like Fairway and Green and Be Dratty. Yeah, I you know Summit Summit is is a great company to work with. I've been with them now for two years. Um, you know, we we started right at the start of the pandemic, so that made it a little difficult. But we definitely are growing the brands across Canada, and 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 quality is always there with them. They mm-hmm. they use great materials. Um, they they use a lot of different materials. So they'll they'll go to a polyester um, shirt with UV protection, but then they will also blend in you know cottons and poly, so you get that really soft hand feel to it. Um, Be Dratty is, is the brand I love. Um, they're all about comfort. So they use 100% Pima cotton um, in a lot of their product. And, you know, when you get off the golf course or when you go home after work, um, the first thing you do is, is you throw on a T-shirt, right? You just want to be comfortable. Um, and that's what Be Dratty offers. So they offer the Pima cottons. They also do a sport collection, uh, which is really lightweight polyesters, which I'm wearing right now. And, and they are the most comfortable shirts also to wear. Yeah, they are. They, they are. But one of the things that I noted, like in earlier times with other other brands is that, you know, after a year, you don't want to wear that shirt anymore. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't, it just doesn't look good. It's kind of, you know, it's got like the stained stuff around the collar. Yuck. But well, I was gonna say, those sometimes- shirts that you have just seem to be more durable. They hold their shape. They cost a little bit more, but I think the point I'm getting to there's just better value. Yeah, it, it's it's also the construction. You know, the collars that we use. Yes. We use a one piece collar that is folded, um, so you don't get those issues with the collar rolling or anything like that. Um, we also cut the shirts, especially on the shoulders, for more shoulder width. Um, so there's there's a lot of that goes into our product. And and the key is the materials, right? We we source very good materials um, that work and last. Well, I was going to say when Tim was talking about, you know, sometimes you get a, a, an inferior product, you have to throw it out every year, you have to buy a new one. But also, there's those times when you've had a really bad round, and there's a certain stink that shirt has on it. <laughs> and no matter what you do, it's like every time you take it out of the wash, and you're like, oh yeah, that round, that eighty three, that I can still smell it. Yeah. Um, JW Apparel Inc. is where you find out more. Uh, JWApparelInc.com. You know, not only are we talking about, like, when you look at the lines, and there's zero restriction, Be Dratty, as you mentioned, Summit is the brand. It, it's what, what it looks to me is, because you wearing that golf shirt now looks completely appropriate, not like the old golf stuff look like, well, you, you clearly are on your way to go golfing. They just seem to be able to be, as you said earlier in the conversation, you can wear them whether you're golfing or you're just going out uh, to be casually dressed. It looks really nice. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, Summit has done such an amazing job this year. Um, 
you know, you hear about all the issues with supply chain and, and products coming in. Um, you know, they airshipped all their product in for spring 22. So they made sure they got it in time. Um, they have inventory available to customers. That's another challenge that, that other companies are looking at is, is inventory challenges. So there's lots of great stories with regard to Summit. Um, as you mentioned, zero restriction. You know, zero had a great collaboration with TaylorMade this year. So TaylorMade actually chose zero restriction as their outerwear brand that nice. um, all their staff are wearing. And it is available online to buy through TaylorMade. And Zero is also doing um, the President's Cup team. So they are actually outfitting the international and the U.S. team for their outerwear for the President's Cup. And, and we hope that's going to move forward into Royal Montreal, which will be uh, hosting the President's Cup, which, which I'm having conversations with them about who are hosting the President's Cup in the next 2026, I think. Nice. Uh, okay, confirm awesome. or deny, can, can better golf apparel make you play better uh good question it will make you feel better (laughs) um it'll make you look better that's all Will it make you play better you know when it when it comes to outerwear and when you're looking at you know a rainy day and and it's pouring rain um you know that zero restriction jacket is a piece of your equipment so absolutely it will definitely make you play better well i'm going to tell you right now if you look good you're going to feel better if you feel better you're going to play better and uh really and the cool thing is even if except you when you're wearing that bad shirt even if you which what well, that bad shirt where you shot 83, that, that was Oh, no, maybe... the, the stinky shirt. Exactly. Yes, the um, stinky shirt. But the nice thing about looking good is even if you play bad, at least you still look good. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Jonathan, exactly. so people who listen to our podcast, they've talked about this great stuff uh, that you know looks good, you know, wears well, all that kind of stuff. When they go into a golf shop, what are the, what are the brands that you can – what should they be looking for? What are the names of the brands they should be looking for? So Summit is, is the main company, um, and they are the suppliers of Zero Restriction, uh, EP Pro Ladies, uh, Fairway and Green, which do both the men's and ladies brand, and um, B-Dratty. So uh, Fairway and Green does men's and ladies. Fairway Ladies is actually one of our best-selling lines in Canada. Um, it's a very classic, traditional ladies collection um epny does extremely well in canada for us and and so there's there's a lot of different options i also do royal albatross shoes mm-hmm. um which is a great brand out of the uk um which we've been very successful with their shoes their belt collection is is second to none and they do you know custom embossing on their belt collection which which we've done for quite a few golf courses um, they have a great story this year where they're doing the Field Fox shoe, and it's called the Mia Miracle shoe. So it is for Camilo Vejegas's daughter. Um, yeah. So right, right. when they sell that shoe, they will donate towards the Mia Miracles Foundation. Fantastic. Uh, look for all these brands. Help support Jonathan and JW Apparel as they help support this program. John, all the best. And, and here's the thing. We are going to play golf, the three of us, this summer. And, Correct. Uh, I'd love to have you come out and play one of our courses uh, at Glen Karen, but you're at Lambton. 
where in the 2015 uh, Ontario Mid-Am, I shot uh, 92 and sat in the parking lot and cried like a child. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, came back the next day, shot 70-something and uh, missed the cut. But I want to go, go back and uh, just relive the horror that was shanking that. Uh, I think it's a third or fourth hole is a par three, and there's just stuff on the right and I just shanked one into it, and I was—it uh, was one of those moments. I'll—it's burned into my brain. So we will definitely go back. All right, man. We—we're uh, going through a bunker renovation right now. So uh, once that is completed, which yeah. should be June, we will uh, get around Atlanta. Well, we'll do a home and home and home, my friend. JWApparelInc.com, proud supporters of the uh, Swing Thoughts podcast. John, just let yourself out. Thanks again for everything, and thanks for today's appearance. Appreciate it. There you go. Have a great day. All right. Cheers. All right, take care. There you go. You know this song. Here it go. Uh, Dr. Ed Collins will be our guest in about seven minutes' time. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I was just going to wax on about this song. I love this song. Yeah, me I remember too. when I first got my, my, my first car that I owned by myself. I got a sound system going down the Don Valley, cranking this song to 11. Nice. Your childhood was so uh, different than mine. There I was in Moose Jaw working on Mom Pa's farm, you know. Uh, we were... Uh, we were gefilte fish farmers. It was a long story. I was out in the fields all day trying to get to bring in the filter. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Ed's about what? Six minutes away? Ish. Yes. Okay. Yes. Six minutes away. Not a terrible round last Wednesday. And not terrible because of the score. The score was kind of crappy. But I've, I've had crappy scores before in the last couple of years. But it was... Uh, I want to share this quickly because... As I said to my guys, the, uh, the Decade Devotees, the Double Ds, that's my new group. Yep. Uh, the Double Ds, <laughs> I sent them a note after the round. I said, listen, I just want you guys to know, because I've shared a lot of stuff on the podcast about, you know, when I've had some troubling times. And I said, I just want you guys to know it's not all butterflies and unicorns for old GSL. I said, I had a tough day today on the golf course. And. I kept trying, but I just wasn't there. And I don't mean like, oh, I hit a few shots that were loose. I just didn't have it. I could tell from the beginning I was not very focused. And I was just kind of a little bit out of sorts, some emotional stuff. And and I, I sort of just, I had a good time. As, you know, it's I say I had a good time. I tried my best. And I shot, you know, a number that most people would be okay with. I shot 81. Um, and it wasn't the number, though. It was the way I was, I I. I not topped a ball, but I like went to hit a drive on purpose and I sort of heel hooked at 80 yards and lost the ball. Uh, that happened twice. The first time it happened, I didn't lose the ball. I actually found it and made a par, but I was doing things that are very out of, very out of ordinary for me. And I had another round on Friday. This is the one I wanted to tell you about. I played with one of the guys that I'm working with. Great guy. And it was a terrible day. It was like, I don't know if you know, remember Friday morning, we were playing the Abbey. It was like eight degrees and three or four club wind and just a tough day. And again, I don't know what I shot. On the front nine, I was a couple over through eight holes. And then I double bogeyed nine because I smother hooked something into the water. And after that, I, not that I gave up, but I stopped really counting. And again, I probably would have been around the same number 
there or thereabouts. The reason I'm mentioning this is because I had a kind of a couple of days where I didn't have access to even my baseline skills. But I got such a nice note from him after the day because we'd spent the day with a couple of his friends and one of the guys turned out to be a big Humble and Fred fan and we sat around talking and telling Edge stories about CF and Y and stuff. Anyway, the note I got from him, his name is Grant, was basically just, thanks for the great day. I know you didn't, you know, you were a little frustrated, and I was. But, you know, the guys had a great time and lots of great stories. And I thought, you know, that's, it was nice to hear that after a few years of, you know, doing this show and golf therapy, that I was able to really not have a very, you know, sort of good day in terms of the golf part, but I had a good day in terms of being around people part. And that was a big thing for me. You know, it wasn't always the, I didn't always have that ability, but I, I realized after those couple of days that, you know, I, I can have, everyone has, you know, shitty days and my, I'm no different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what golf does to us. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it giveth, and as my father used to say, it taketh away. It mostly taketh, but, um, yeah, nice to see you can bunt it around not play so well and still have a good time that that's what the takeaway is and it's funny because i was talking to my guy henrik who's my golf mentor mentor you know golf yoda to me and i was mm-hmm. talking to him all the way last wednesday we talked all the way from my house till i got to the golf course about some stuff going on in my personal life and uh then afterwards i was talking to him about the round he said listen dude when i hung up with you this is what he told me he said he hung up with me and he said he's not going to break 80 today Yep, and I, I again, not to sound like a dick, I don't not break eighty very often when I play golf. So yes, no, it's all. Have to apologize for that at anyway, all. I mean, goodness, it's all relative. Yeah, but here's how the story ended. So Saturday, I go up north to play a golf course I've never seen before with a couple of my buddies from the national who played up there because I'm playing a practice round for a tournament in a couple of weeks. Hmm. And I went up there again, having having really listen when. My round finished, and we did all the drinks and after-round stuff on Friday. I went back out when it was 7 degrees on the range at the Abbey just to try and find something. I couldn't find anything. But I went to this place on Saturday I've never seen before, and I have my best round of the 2022 golf season here in Canada. Like, I shot 69 in California, but I I made four birdies and shot one under par in a golf course I'd never seen before because, because that's what golf is like. You just... You know, I just said, well, you know, here I am again. And I had no, ex- talk about zero expectations after two of the worst rounds. And I'm not talking about the score, just the way I felt. But it was a new day, just like there is every time. And it was warmer. By the way, I know this now at 62. I can't play when it's cold. It's, I don't have the energy anymore. I don't know yeah, about I, you. I, no, I get it. Yeah, my, my, I used to be able to yeah, me too. tough it out. Yeah, my tolerance used to play- be better. I remember playing with Ronan about five years ago, and, and it was like four degrees. <laughs> I got in the parking lot at Blue Springs, yeah. and there's snow going sideways over the hood. I'm not sure I would do that now. Oh, I but, am sure I wouldn't do that now. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, oh, what a game. And, and it's just, you know, like not to get waxed too philosophical, but that's like life. It's like you just never know whatever day is going to come. We don't control any of this. It's just stuff happens, and... Oh, yeah, it's like the phrase that you've used very often. It's like, oh, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it happens, and, and, you know, what choice have we got but to accept it? Um, 
So well, yeah, and that's and, what and it was. Not, I'm not the least bit surprised that if you had some some deep personal stuff going on, man, you can't separate that out from your golf as much as you can't separate it out from your work or whatever. It's just it carries on into every into everything. And when we're distracted or just there's other deeper stuff going on, it's hard to bring your full self to whatever you're you're doing. You know, I've but, had this feeling on stage a few times. I've mentioned this where you know I'll walk out. And literally, they're still, you know, hey, Howard Glassman, they're still applauding. I've even, it hasn't even gotten quiet yet. I remember, I've done this a few times where I've walked out and I'm like, I'm not here. I've said that. I can just tell I'm still wound up in something. And I'm like, you better get here soon because this is about to happen. And I can tell you from literally the beginning of the round last Wednesday, I could tell I wasn't there. Uh, The round on Friday had more to do with the fact that I was a little bit out of sorts and that it was so cold. It was just... I, I had, I mean, a few weeks ago, because the novelty of being outside was still in place, I was able to tolerate it. But Friday, I had just lost, again, because of some stuff going on, I just didn't have the energy to bring, to grind it out. And like I said, I, 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 I was kind of scraping it around the first eight holes. And for some reason, the double, not that it affected me like, oh, I'm giving up now, but it was just like... I just didn't have the uh, same level of focus I normally do have. Absolutely. But I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. There's days in which you just, when we don't have it, it's like, you know, trying to power through, if you will, work. And sometimes I just go, this is dumb. Yeah. There's no, there's no point in doing this. What do I need to do? Uh, at, at my particular stage in life, it's usually to have a nap. (laughs) I like (laughs) that. But you know what? Just as we let Ed in here. Yeah, let's let Ed in. I love what you said about um, you haven't showed up, you know, and that's that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, it's kind of like being here now. Yeah. And look at that smiling face. Look at that smiling face. That we haven't face. seen for a while. He's even got hair now. Look at him, man. I don't know who's more excited, us <laughs> to talk to Ed again or Ed to once again be with Golf's spiritual leader and Coach Tim Dr. Ed Collins is widely acknowledged as one of the top skills uh, uh, coaches working in elite sports today. Is already is uh, Zoom uh, has frozen. Doc's understanding and application of the latest techniques in coaching science and sports science provide athletes with the tools to consistently perform at the elite level. But all that aside, not only is one of the smartest guys we've ever had on the show, but also one of the nicest. Welcome back, Dr. Ed. Collins! Hello, hello, and thank you, Howard and Tim. It is such a pleasure to to just connect again. Look it's at us. Easily the most fun I've ever had on, <laughs> on a chat show is with you guys. By a country mile, in fact. Well, I hope you're we well. appreciate that. Well, hope you're well. Yeah. I, I haven't uh, spoken to you uh, uh, off the show for a while, but I, I hope all is well with you and your family and your sons and such. And froze again. And froze again. Ed, uh, Ed, if you can hear us, if what you can I would, hear us, yeah, come back. What and, I would suggest is just to uh, stop yeah. your video. Uh, if you freeze again, stop your video, and we'll just do audio. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, yeah, it's go. nice to see you. Yeah. That hat's yeah. very nice, and we know what you look like. <laughs> yeah, we know what you look like. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you. I, I asked. I just said quickly before we jump into this. I hope all is well with your family and your boys, yes. and everything is good at school. And all good. Okay. 
Yeah, all good, all good, really. Uh, and I'm actually having a, having a lot of fun. They're, they're taking up a couple of new sports. And you know what? Having a lot of fun just uh, coaching them in a way that I would never have thought I would have coached uh, it before, I had, before I ever thought I would have kids. So it's been really fun for them to, to teach me that, you know what? They, they don't need me mm-hmm. that much, if at all, especially when they're kids. They are incredibly creative when they're left to their own devices. <laughs> and I just let them be. So it's been lovely. That's awesome. Ed, maybe you could uh, remind our listeners um, where you teach and where you live. And I think yeah. your accent gives a bit of that away. but <laughs> It does probably. Uh, yeah, I live in Cork and I'm based, I'm a senior lecturer in, the, in Munster Technological University down at the southern tip of Ireland. And, and here... Yeah, here I, 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 I lecture across the sports psychology and the skill acquisition modules in the coaching science and sports science uh, degree programs, but I also lead a research team in skill acquisition um, where, we, where we look at kind of mechanisms and processes and strategies towards kind of elite performance in sport and the like. And, and really fortunate, in fact, to, well, to be where I am. And for people, Dan, just to, if you want to even go deeper, Ed originally was a, uh, an actor... And uh, at some point went, hmm, I'm going to want to feed my family consistently. <laughs> so what could a, that, what could a smart well, that is, man... Would you believe that's exactly what happened? Yeah. You're uh, like, what I could a coaching. smart man like me do? <laughs> yeah, I was coaching. I've been coaching for 30 years now. And I was coaching and I always, I, I, I had a, a love for... Uh, you know the the creative aspects of things, and went away and got formally trained as a as an actor in classical in the classical arts. I did a lot of Shakespeare for a number of years, but kept the coaching going in the background. And mm. then, as I said, it was uh, even during a couple of shows when I found myself doing a lot of work with the the fellow actors and the crews and different things, working with them around physical aspects of what they do and warm ups and things. That I was like, I seem to prefer this and. And that's when I, I made the shift back and went back to the university to, to, to do, do an undergrad in sports science. But the acting work, I still would say, with hand on heart, it stood to me right to this day. Well, I was right going to say, in, in another circumstance, in another world with different circumstances, you know, we could be talking to uh, Andrew Scott. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, know, I know you know he's, who it is. He's I know you I know you know who he is. He's like the Rory McIlroy of Irish actors. So uh, he's brilliant. Yeah, he he's is brilliant. brilliant. Um, so, uh, let's let's get right to it, Ed, because we uh, yes. we've got about twenty five minutes, and I know with you and I and Tim, it always gets on a tangent, and you know, and uh, all of us are world class gabbers. So um, there's a specific thing we want to talk about. Tim recently spoke to uh, somebody. Uh, go ahead, Tim. Uh, Joan Vickers. In the world of, ah. yeah, the idea of quiet eye. And, and Tim, let's just, you set this up and let's start the conversation with Doc. Yeah, well, one of the things, Ed, that we've talked about through the years that we spoke to you, and I actually think the first time we spoke to you, you actually had dark hair. <laughs> now it's completely great. Oh, there my you go. <laughs> well, don't worry. I haven't grayed as a result of my time with you. It's, it's <laughs> okay. okay, thank my you. My grandfather great. was gray by the time he was 30, so, so don't worry. It's not your fault. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's relieved a lot of tension. But over the years, you've talked. we talked about skill acquisition, and we've talked about this golf culture of people trying all these things, thinking in words what their body should be doing. And what you've often talked about is that the body can self-organize. So 
I want to start off with that and then move into how that connects with quiet eyes. But first, could you help our listeners understand what it means to allow our body to self-organize, say, to hit a certain kind of shot or to make a putt? Yeah, and, and, and one little caveat on that, and you made a really good point when you said our bodies can self-organize. I'll take that one step further and, says, and, and say our bodies do it anyway. Whether, whether we think we can or not, we automatically self-organize. It, it is one of the, the wonders of how we've become who we are, which is the human race. Our capacity to perceive and act on things is not based on a, a, a conscious thought for a lot of what we do. We are constantly self-organizing ourselves. For example, like I go to the store on, you know, in November sometime to do shopping. And it's a big, huge store with loads of all the groceries. And there's very few people there because it's in the middle of November at a particular time of day. Two days before Christmas, that store is absolutely thronged with people all doing their final bits of shopping for before Christmas. And... There's so many more people, and yet I don't bump into anybody because we just self-organize ourselves. Mm-hmm. With a fraction of the people in all the aisles, we don't bump into each other. We're constantly making these little adjustments and self-organize organize ourselves to how far away they are from us and how near we are to them and how much space there is between us and them and the aisle or us and them and maybe a delicate, <laughs> a, a delicate um, stand filled with, you know, Waterford crystal glassware or whatever, we're constantly self-organizing without doing much conscious thought in it. And I think when we come to sporting movements, what tends to happen, that self-organization gets even greater opportunity to express itself. And what I mean by that is in the dynamic world of, of, of sport, and in particular what we talk about here in golf, when we actually take a club into our hands, there's an immediate self-organization happens. We, we stand in a position that is not too far away from the ball and not too close to the ball. We, we do that anyway. And even we've seen this with some lovely work that we, we looked at here, looking at novices who've never played the game of golf, who never have held a golf club and said, OK, there's a ball and there's a ball there on that mat. And we want you to hit it into that, into that, um, into that net with this club. We give them a seven iron. You know what they'll do? They'll hold the seven iron with the, at the rubber end of the grip. They will not hold it around the head. That's right. They will, they will, they will uh-huh. grip it with, with whatever grip they feel is right. But you know what, they, what they'll do? is they, they will grip it at a place that is appropriate for their height and their, their arm length and so on and so forth. A very tall person will hold it quite far up the grip and a very small person will, will grip it down into the shaft right. without any discussion or direction from us. They will turn the club in a way that the club face is actually addressed to the ball. They won't have it with the back of the club face to the ball. And it's amazing. These are things that, and, uh, uh, these are things that we would call in, in, the, in the kind of sports science space, the topology of the swing, the action is already there because... We, we, we have an, an idea of, okay, well, this is, this is what the task is in front of me, and I'll organize myself around that. I will self-organize myself around that. So I think that's, that's something not only that we can do, we do it all the time anyway. 
so Ed, if I if yes. I can just interject because and again I knowing you as we do there you could just, well, we could we could just have a nice uh, uh, TED talk here or an Ed talk as I like to call it. <laughs> but I I want to get in with a couple of questions because our golfers listening and we understanding what you said we are always self organizing now let's go from a novice to somebody that's been playing for a while and I want to get to the idea of why it's so hard for golfers to do two things it's hard for golfers to change. A pattern, but that's not really what interests me. It's really hard for golfers to accept that they have acquired skills, to trust that there are skills innate in their ability, and golf, for from for some reason particularly, is difficult for for us to accept because if you and I were going to play catch all day and the three of us would never once wonder how to throw this ball anymore because somewhere in our brain, I'm getting to the question. Somewhere in our brain, we accept that we know how to do it. Why is it, therefore, harder for golfers to give up these swing thoughts and, and how-to parts years after they've been doing Why don't we accept that we have some innate ability? Yeah, great question. Great question. I thought I so. Think, I know it was yeah, long, it, but it, I, I no, was getting no, to you, a point. <laughs> you hit on a very important part there. I about thought that innate, so. In, in, <laughs> that innate ability. And again... Just for your, so your listeners know, um, all of my work is currently with professional golfers. Yes. I, I, curr- I work for golfers that currently play on four tours around the world. That are, so they're engaged. These are people who've golfed for many years for, and, and have an exceptional skill level that they're able to acquire these you know, much-coveted tour cards and so on and so forth. And yet, the work I do with them is to try and get them to tap back into these innate skills because oftentimes when their performance gets hampered or they, do, they go out and they have a poor day, what do they want to do? They want to drill down into that seven arm that went, that leaked to the right at that one time they didn't want to leak to the right. And I'm like, hang on, no, no, l- let's not go down there. Let's, let's just go to the, if you want to go to the range after, the, let's go there and hit a variety of different shots to remind you of your innate skills, mm-hmm. the skills that you spent so much time refining. But you've got to be able to hold on to these skills with a de- gentle touch. And I use the, ter- I use the, na- the analogy of holding on to a kitten. If you've got a kitten in your hands and they're a bit feisty, if you hold on to the kitten too tight, you're going to kill the kitten. If you hold on to it too loose, they're going to jump out of your hands. So it's the same with skills. You want to hold on to it just enough that they, they, they can move in your hands, they feel comfortable, which then they'll actually relax in your hands if they feel they're not being suppressed, but not so tightly that they're, that they're going to wriggle on to, to a point of discomfort. And that's the same as I say to the pros. You've got these skills, but you've got to be relaxed with these skills. So these skills come out of you and get expressed through you, not through force, mm-hmm. not through I've got to do 15 different thoughts before I hit this shot. And I've got to make sure it, this position is right to, to that position, to that position, to that position. And I'm like, when do you hit the ball? So it, it even works that I'm doing one, one guy right now. And he's loving this, actually. It, 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 he's, he's told me in his own words, it's transformed how he's approaching his game. He says, what we do right now is he prepares for each shot. He's really clear where his target is, and he's going to be fully committed to that shot. Mm-hmm. His job, once the club face makes contact with the golf ball, is to reflect on the before, not the after, because he can't control that anymore. 
he reflects on the process that led to mm-hmm. that club face to ball contact. And, and that, that goes hand in hand with something we said uh, recently, and I, I was reading about this, and I came across this line about how you, you can't get self-confidence or confidence from results, only from process. Yeah, I love that. You're on fire today, Howard. That's just a, that's incredible. I've got a lot of, and I got a lot of pent up GSL stuff I haven't shared with you for a while. Tim wants no, to talk. Tim wanted exactly to talk right. to you a little bit about this this idea that when it ties into what you're saying. So the average golfer has all these thoughts, and at some point you just have to trust you know how to throw a ball. But what interrupts us, Tim? is sometimes that monkey mind, that chatter in our brains, and, and we've been discussing this quiet eye and quiet mind stuff lately. Yeah, well, one of the things that, that um, a lot of the people that I work with and I observe a lot is they have all these thoughts about how they're supposed to do something. I'm supposed to do this with my left elbow, my knee, uh, all these must-haves. They're telling themselves all these things to do, in essence, get in their own way. So... What I'm going to connect what you're talking with, Ed, and the quiet eyes thing is that I do an exercise with a lot of uh, my clients. It's called the retinal after image exercise. Is where they focus on something on the ball. It could be the tea and Taylor made. It could be the sun shining off a dimple. And they, that holds their attention. And then the putter just kind of goes back or the club goes back and it just goes. And people are shocked at how well they can play mm-hmm. when the body, in essence, just self-organizes. We get out of the way. So what I'm going to connect that to is that through reading about the retinal after image, exploring it, I became aware of quiet eyes, which you introduced me to on this podcast, Ed. So, yeah. so what yeah. I wanted you to do was to just explain to our readers why you think that quiet eyes thing and it's been shown through studies over all kinds of sports, really is something that's used by elite performers in all sports to allow their bodies to self-organize and allow a golfer to, in essence, get out of his or her own way. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, so you were right earlier, uh, jo- Professor Joan Vickers developed the, the concept of the quiet eye, uh, a genius of a practitioner and a, and a scientist, in fact, for the work that she, she contributed. And as you rightly said... No, oh, we lost him. Now we lost his audio for a second. As you rightly said, and he was about to give you some big ups. I could feel it. Yep, he was. This is the this is the the, the precarious universe that we're in. Um, Passivity. Oh, we lost you there. Yeah. We we lost oh. you there again, Ed. Just uh, right. just pick it up. Fifteen when, seconds. Yeah, just yeah. the last fifteen seconds. You were about to say to Tim, uh, Joan Vickers, and when Tim rightly said something about the quiet eye. Yes. So Joan Vickers, uh, jo- Joan Vickers, had basically in her creation of the quiet eye um, research, ha- happened upon something incredibly robust and something that has been now shown consistently for decades as being one of the most robust findings in sports science research. It has been shown across, I think, over 36 different sports now. And the, the, the essence of it, as you said, is it, when our focus of attention is so strongly ingrained into an, a, a, an object or a target, we, the self-organization principle of human movement just kicks in. It's just it, we, we find ourselves 
self-organizing our movement to that to that uh, intended target. And what is so beautiful about the quiet eye for, for golfers, which is, again has been shown, there's been a lot of work around it in golf and especially in putting, is what she identified in her early research was that most golfers aren't looking at the ball. Hmm. And in fact, most golfers' eyes move and follow the club face back and so on and so forth. And she was like, this is crazy. The object of, it, of this action is to hit the ball. Why don't we look at an intervention where we actually get them to focus on the back of the ball, the impact point and so on and so forth and see what happens. But what happened? Incredible self-organization and much quietening of the putter action. A lot less sway and movement in the in the backswing, but also far greater uh, connection and consistent connection between the club face of the putter and the ball and a far purer roll on the ball for it to hold the line that it's set off on. Right. All just by asking people to focus their eye on a particular spot on the ball. Hmm. And. That, that, uh, so uh, the, the essence of that work then led to, as I said, a, a, a formulation or the layering effect of the already work that would have been in there in ecological dynamics, which is that self-organization. But oftentimes we see from eye tracking research, which tells us where people are looking in different sporting actions. So in golf, let's say, for example, you'd be amazed how few people are looking at the golf ball when they're playing golf. And, it, and this is not just... Ed saying this. This is the evidence. The research around this is bananas. Well, what are they looking at? Oh, their eyes are floating around the top of the ball. In fact, the the most common place they found in one study was about an inch and a half above the ball. So they weren't even on the ball. And not in a fixed position. It was floating around the place. It was darting here, there, and everywhere. And we know from, from, I was going to say, there's there's a, a component of your eyes darting around is the opposite of being quiet and calm. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. panicking. It's like fight or flight. What, what's happening now? Exactly. And I think the, the beauty of even the term, the quiet eye, as you, as you rightly said, it, it, it almost has a calming effect on it yourself. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this in kickers in rugby, in throwers in baseball, in throwers in, 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 in American football, in badminton serves, in tennis serves, and so on and so on and so on. It has been consistently shown throughout to bring, number one, a, a self-organizing positive effect on the action, but also a, in reflection and, and feedback strategies to be, to be told, well, it actually calms me down because there's, I, I, I have le- a lot less to think about. And in fact, in time, I don't think about anything at all. I'm just oh, looking yeah. at the ball. Ed, would this science, the, the quiet eyes piece, would this be somewhat corroborating, if you will, if you go back to 1974 when Timothy Galway wrote The Inner Game of Tennis and he would talk about watching the seams of the tennis ball coming to you. And he would just said, that's so freeing. And then, of course, he wrote The Inner Game of Golf. Fred Shoemaker took Galway's work and expanded it further in terms of when we focus our attention, we free ourselves up, our bodies, to to do what they know how to do, a.k.a. self-organize. Would you say in some way that the Quiet Eyes research and maybe even the work, say, of Gabriel Wolf around external uh, focus is sort of taken that work of Galway and Shoemaker and, and helps help us to understand why, in fact, it does lead to better performance? Yeah, absolutely. And you've hit on some big names there. Like Gabby Wolf's work on external focus of attention is a lovely companion to the Quiet Eye work. 
her work along with, let's say, even her more recent work around optimal theory and, and how motivation can have an impact on our attention and so on, is all feeding and adding to these theoretical principles of, of how we control our movements or, or, or not. Let's not try and control it so much. Let us just self-organize that control, let's say. And I think one other, one other uh, book that I found was a really practical way of encapsulating all this was, was um, Brad Gilbert's work, wi- book, Winning Ugly, the book that he wrote uh, about his time with Andre Agassi. And he speaks in, throughout that book of the work he did with Agassi about being able to identify letters on the ball as the ball was being hit to Agassi. Wow of huge serves, over 100 mile an hour serves. Can you identify the letter on the ball? And what that led to, and again, we were able to track that back from Agassi's own book, Open, where he speak about, spoke about his father not only using a, a ball machine in the back garden, but supercharging the ball machine with a lawnmower motor in it <laughs> to actually increase the CC of it <laughs> wow. and moved it closer to the net. While, while sellotaping the racket to his hand as a six or seven-year-old child and telling him he could not go beyond the baseline. So here's a kid. The only way he can survive on this court is I've got to read this ball early. I've got to be able to see this ball as early as I possibly can. And what he used to do is try to see the threads on the ball, which would help him then self-organize to actually either get out of the way or get his racket on. There you go. And that's what uh, Brad Gilbert spoke about then in his work with Agassi. He said... Why did he become the greatest returner of serve of all time? Because he said he was seeing the ball early, but then he had this capacity, this added capacity of being able to read uh, postural cues from the servers, patterns of, of their movement that he was thinking, oh, when he goes down the line, he does this. When he goes sure. cross court, he does that. Yeah, like the like, noticing. Like, yeah, or I was going to say, I'm picking up, uh, you know, different nuances of batters and pitchers. Um, we've got in, in a couple last minutes that we have, Ed, and I know it's, it's been a long time. And this wasn't long enough, but on right now we can't see you. We, we've got your screen image, and it says skill acquisition. And uh, if this is your introduction to Dr. Ed, there's just so much to learn from him. And, and both him and I have had the, the luck and uh, the, the good fortune of having uh, private sessions with Ed. But in the last few minutes, I know this is going to be hard for you. Can we take what we've talked about? Because golfers list, are listening are now thinking, okay, that's interesting. How is how will I because our sport's all about acquiring skill, we think. Yes. How do we make the connection from what we're talking about to the guy going out to the golf course this weekend? What can we give that person or the girl to help them acquire some more skill or to be have equanimity around the skill they already have? Lovely. Um The key for any takeaway that we would hope people to take from today is to focus more on your object and target and less on the muscles and bones that are going to impact on that. So don't be worrying about where your elbow is, because if you look at the golfers, the best golfers in the world, they don't all have the same putting stroke. They don't even use the same putters or the same puttering heads and so on and so forth. But what they are doing is they are all working to find something that works for them. Right. So find a club that you when you look down at it, you think, oh, yeah, that 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 suits my eye. I like the feel of this. and I like the feel of that grip. Once you've done that, I'm strongly and this is even with the pros, Howard and Tim, as you know, I, I don't I practice what I preach. Even with the pros, I, I'm saying to them once. OK, so you found an implement that you like. Great. Now forget about it. 
mm-hmm. forget about how it's going to move because you're going to self-organize yourself if you have a very clear, strong focus on the object ball. So for us, I'd be saying maybe put a little dot on the back of the ball that you're saying that that's something I want my club face to interact with. And I'm going to stare at that dot once I've done my line and my pace and all that kind of little bit of work beforehand. But that dot is going to be my focus of attention. Mm-hmm. And we again, we've even seen there's been some lovely work by people like Sham Bylock and the likes who've shown that if we if we if we just focus on on the the back of the ball and uh, with an idea of where the target is it it has an impact on our pace reading you know without us actually constantly looking at where it's going that's the pace it's 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 8 feet it's 12 feet it's 18 feet i have a better chance of aligning and attuning myself to that distance by having a better focus on the ball mm-hmm. Once I've, once I've decided, okay, that's what eight feet away is, okay, now back on the ball. Well, what tends to happen is we, we look at the distance, back at the ball, and then I'm like, oh, distance again, distance again, distance <laughs> again. I'm like, Hang on. That's right. You've looked at the distance. Now l- allow your mind, allow your body allow all, to engage with that and attune itself to that distance, but your focus has got to be on the ball. And we've even seen how the pendulum effect of the putter has an, is impacted by the distance. Like, Howard, if, you, if I gave you a two-foot putt, you would not bring the putter head back the same distance as if you had a 22-foot putt. Of course you not. Just, you wouldn't do that. And yet, you don't consci- consciously say, I've got to bring it back 2.5 inches for a two-foot <laughs> putt. Oh, I need to bring it back 7.328 inches for a 22-foot putt. No. But that's what golfers do. I know. It's funny, that's and, what golfers... The takeaway, the takeaway for today is... Focus on the object of, of where the impact is going to happen. Okay. That's, that's a big part. And then just allow, allow the things just to take their course. Doc, you know, Tim and I were talking a few months ago about, you know, who we'd like to have back on. After all the years we've been doing this, we're sort of like there's a group of people we really enjoy and are comfortable with and we think the audience can get more of. And uh, you're certainly one of them. It's been a while since we've talked, but hopefully you'd be available and open again to talk to us uh, in a sooner, a shorter amount of time. I would love that. All and right. you know what we could do sometime is uh, questions from the audience and we come in and tackle them on the show. Absolutely. What are the yeah. things that they come up with? I'd love that because you guys, and I mean, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on the show. You guys have such a lovely way about you and it's just so engaging and so it's, I come on the show and you know what? I am actually, I'm looking forward to it because I feel I relax when I come on. And chat to you guys because it's 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 good stuff. So congrats on two hundred episodes. Yeah, well, I'm getting, right? getting close. Almost. <clears throat> almost. Wow. Is it, I think this is one ninety. One ninety something. Wow. I don't know. You well, know, we're good old. Good luck Ed. and enjoy. All and right, well my done. friend. Uh, Ed Collins, uh, go check out the uh, website for more information is Dr. Edward Collin, spelled C-O-U-G-H-L-A-N dot com. You got to be impressed that I didn't screw up your name once today. No, that's amazing. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Uh, Doc, I'll, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. See you guys. Thank Bye you, my again. friend. There's, there's Dr. Ed waving goodbye. Now, I'm going to say goodbye here shortly because uh, Stan's babysitter is about to walk in the door here. Um, do you want to... Uh, okay, she's going to come in. Stan's going to bark. Okay, here she comes. Um, I'll tell you what. You talk for a second. Talk about quiet eye and how... Can you still hear me? I can hear you fine. Yeah, um, you talk about that while I go turn the alarm off. Can you- okay. Yeah. So interesting um, how the quiet eye allows us to 
in essence, get out of our own way, whether it's in putting or in all parts of the game or even even driving the golf ball. It's and this it's so cool because, as I mentioned to you, I interviewed Dr. Vickers and she just wasn't comfortable doing the Zoom thing. So yeah. it's nice to I, I spent time with her and learned all about that. Her, but to hear from Ed and man, it just in many ways it's really counterintuitive because most golfers are thinking about what they must do with their with with moving the golf club yep. and doing it in a certain way and 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 people like Dr. Vickers and Dr. Ed, they're showing us and the science is, proves it is that if we can get out of our own way and use a, a methodology like this, the game becomes a lot easier. It's more fun and bonus you play better the ball actually without having to think about as ed said about how far to take the putter back your body in essence figures it out on its own aka self-organizes how far to go back and hits the putt the right distance yeah ironically enough if you give it a chance you know and i I, again this we're gonna have to cut things off because i got stuff to do you got stuff to do but i'll just say you know it's funny we could go on with ed and and we should have a show where we say listen doc's coming on if you have any questions for him but we should have them on for a full hour. Um, thanks to Jonathan Wong today, JW Apparel Inc., of course, and TaylorMade Golf. You know, the TP5 and TP5X are trusted by players like Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, Howard Glassman, Tim O'Connor, well, you know, all the bigs. Uh, to learn more about the latest TaylorMade products, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Uh, and I know no show would be complete without some uh, just a quick... You know, decade takeaway. And this is one of the things I was talking about with my people this week, the double D's. And it came out of a conversation that I had with Fawcett. And I said to him, and we're t- the, the, the notion is this, and this is a good takeaway for our weekend warriors. None of us are as good as we think we are. So you have to make decisions based on how good you actually are. And the more you can do that, the more you can make a decision based on your real ability how far you really hit that seven iron. That is definitely part of the Pathways to Par seminar. Speaking of which, uh, you can be uh, part of Tim's work that he's doing. Tim, how do we get a hold of you? Oh, ConnorGolf.ca. Um, yeah, Nate Robinson and I are still doing the Quiet Minds thing. But also, at this time of year, I do this. I offer people a complimentary 30-minute coaching session. So if you want to have a have an experience of what it's like to be coached um send me an email you can get it at oconnorgolf.ca and uh, i'd love to have, I'd love to meet you and have a coaching session with you yeah well i'm still you know sort of new in the uh, the coaching world i'm not offering anything complimentary <laughs> no that's, that's not that's not entirely true i will say that charles fitzsimmons another friend of the show and a friend of mine uh charles and i will be putting on a uh Decade uh, Eclipse uh, Performance, I don't know what you want to call this, workshop slash uh, chat the night before the early bird. Get a hold of St. Thomas Golf Course and uh, sign up. Charles and I will be talking for about an hour Friday evening before the tournament. It'll be lots of fun. Hopefully you'll learn a couple of things, but uh, we promise it won't be dull. Uh, So do enjoy uh, the rest of your uh, days, all the days of your life. Just enjoy them. Exactly. Ah. Uh, O'Connor Enjoy Golf. your time <laughs> on this mortal on this coil. Mortal coil. O'ConnorGolf.ca, Humble and Fred Radio, or HumbleandFred.com. 
And of course, uh, we'd love you to uh, share our podcast and support our Facebook page. Until next time, kids. Check out Guitar George. He knows all the chords. Money strictly rhythm.